This is Trumpet Radio Live. Thanks for joining us here on Trumpet Radio Live on 101.3 KPCG, and we're online at kpcg.fm. We also have a live link at thetrumpet.com as well. Thanks for joining us on this Thursday. It's a beautiful Thursday here in Edmond, Oklahoma City. I'm Dwight Falk. Grant Turgeon is here today as well. And Grant, we're both sports fans. A lot of our listeners, I think, enjoy sports. And we know that we cannot compete with the professional athletes or the high-level college athletes. There's no question. Guys 6'10", you know. But there is one thing that we all know we probably could do better than some of them, and that is shoot free throws. <laughs> That's you, true. You see guys, and you think, well, this is all you do, and you can't make free throws. <laughs> so you've had this thought, I'm sure. All the time. Yeah, actually, last night I was watching Andre Drummond shoot free throws. He's the Detroit Pistons center. And he actually used to be horrible at free throws, under 50% for a while. But then he got, like, one of the weirdest motions I've ever seen like before he even shoots he has the ball out in front of his chest by a good like three feet he's holding it as far away from as as he can and as he bends his legs and rises up to shoot he finally like just flicks it from way out in front of his body Hmm. Uh, and it just it was really strange to watch but he actually learned how to make his shots at a decent clip by doing it that strange way that's interesting well the reason I bring it up is because this news story which I find to be funny a man shows up to the Kansas Jayhawks dorm to offer free throw advice. <laughs> Was this after they lost yes. OU? Uh. University of Kansas police reportedly responded to a call Wednesday to the men's basketball dorms after a man kept showing up to give a player free throw advice. <laughs> Usually you just kind of yell it from your couch. You don't actually go find the guy. University Deputy uh, Police Chief said the man, who was not a student, showed up to the Jayhawks dorm around 3.30 p.m. wanting to give free throw advice. Uh, The man was uh, taken from the dorm by the police, or he had left by the time they arrived, I guess. The Jayhawks lost to our very own Oklahoma Sooners 85-80 on Tuesday. Sophomore Udoko Azubuki, if I said that right, missed six straight free throws at one point during the game. And so this guy said, what? I can shoot free throws better than that. And he actually showed up to t- teach him to teach him how to shoot free throws. That's not allowed. That's too bad for the that team because they came down to Oklahoma on the bus, lost the game in a tough fashion, had to had to take the long quiet bus ride home, probably got back here middle of the night. And then middle of the afternoon the next day, this guy's harassing you too. They already probably took abuse from the Oklahoma fans. So now they're now they're getting it from their own fans who show up to their dorm. That would, that would be kind of uh, kind of creepy. But uh, <laughs> So he took it to the next level and actually said, I'm going to go down there and show those boys a thing or two. <laughs> <laughs> who knows? Maybe he knows how to shoot the shots. Hard uh. to say. Hard to say, uh, but I thought that was kind of a funny one to open with. we got some other headlines to take a look at today, and then also we want to take a look at uh, friendship towards the end of the program, how to have friends, how to deepen your friendships. Everybody needs friends. Some people think they're an island. I'm a rock. I'm an island, but that's a song, right? I think but so. Everybody need, Yeah, it was popular back in the, I think it was the 70s. Uh, but everybody does need friendships, and so we're going to take a look at a good write-up at how to improve those uh, friendships. It's interesting, too. I've got some statistics on how many people are in everyone's circle, I think. It's it's more than you would suspect. Uh, in other words, people that you know and they know you. It doesn't mean you're best friends, but it's a, it's a pretty good-sized group. That's true. and I mean, sometimes we would think maybe it's like 30 or 40 people, but 
but yeah, just now thinking about it, it's probably more like in the hundreds yeah. for most of us. It is just people that we know through various activities and, and would know us on some level. So we're going to take a look at uh, friendships there towards the end of the program. It's a good thing that there's two of us doing this show because we can we can teach them by our example that we are friends. We are friends. <laughs> we get along pretty well. <laughs> if it was just me by myself. People are like this guy doesn't have any friends. I have at least one friend. <laughs> this loner is lecturing me about friendship. <laughs> there's at least one friend on the air with him. Uh, this is an interesting story here to to uh, continue with Fox News. Uh, you may not have seen this NBC News. There's some embarrassment for them, and it kind of highlights some of the media <laughs> problems. NBC News uh, was embarrassed after Lester Holt apparently falls for North Korean propaganda. NBC News is reeling after nightly news anchor Lester Holt appears to have been badly fooled by North Korean propagandists, giving a cheery report from a ski resort in the Hermit Kingdom that looked to be bustling when it was widely known to actually be a ghost town. They built this big ski resort to try to make it, you know, for, to make it look like, oh, this is a happening country. We're really modern, but it's, it's always vacant because there's nobody there, <laughs> except when somebody shows up to do a report. <laughs> Holt, who returned early from North Korea after scathing reviews, reported for nightly news from the uh, Masikrong Ski Resort on Monday, a facility that is a brainchild of Supreme Leader Kim Jong-un and is typically empty. The resort, built to create the appearance of a prosperous nation, was largely deserted during peak 2017 ski season. There's not a lot of people skiing in North Korea. I mean, maybe the maybe like the elite, but mm-hmm. uh, most people are starving over there. And so he did this report where there were all these people there, and they said uh, <laughs> the people behind him all had matching outfits. Like, it didn't throw <laughs> them off. It was clearly a propaganda stunt, so he's taking a lot of heat for it. So he was there in person yeah. and got fooled. Wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe it was... Uh a little bit, a little bit more convincing than we'd like to give it credit for. If 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 someone there in person falls for it, unless he was doing it on purpose, which that's too risky, probably uh, he would probably have to think that that was real at least. They, the report said uh, that the re- or Holt said during the report that the resort is a quote source of immense pride for a country trying to present a new and modern face to the world. North Korea is not trying to present a new face. They launch missiles and all the time. Well, there he should he should definitely know better in that yeah. case. <laughs> NBC did not respond to requests for comment as to whether Holt's unexpectedly early departure from North Korea was related to the embarrassing ski resort uh, situation. Uh, an NBC insider said, who produced this garbage? <laughs> it's field producing 101. Don't do a stand-up somewhere that's been staged by a dictatorial regime. <laughs> this happens. There there are instances where this has happened over the years where a reporter goes to sort of investigate either a rogue regime or an odd group, and they stage it, you know, and everyone's, oh, I love it here, and they're smiling and thumbs up, or they're skiing, and it's a total setup. And typically, especially high-level journalists, don't fall for that. But in this case, it looks like something happened here. That's so intriguing that that's a common practice to try to fool people, especially when pretty much everyone already knows what the situation is in those types of countries. It's not usually going to fool anybody, yet they still put it on, and maybe apparently it does fool people sometimes. It's interesting, though, that it seems like the NBC report here at least was giving North Korea the benefit of the doubt. We won't, They won't even give the benefit of the doubt to the President of the United States. True. So I think that just does highlight just sort of the um, the thinking there. 
North Korea has a terrible regime. Terrible. Re- and they, everyone knows it. They just sent back, you know, recently that uh, guy they took from the U.S. That, got, that came back and died. They basically mm-hmm. had killed him. And so, and then to go there and to be uh, reporting, you know, I, it, it's like this odd sort of hope among some people that these really awful regimes are just going to see the light of day or something, and all of a sudden they're going to be friends with everybody, Iran, North Korea. It's not happening. There have been quite a few accusations that the media does actually esteem literally any other leader in the world more highly than it does President Trump. And this is just a situation that would only prove an accusation like that uh, seemingly true because they're just giving credibility to that horrible regime. Um, Maybe they justify it by saying, well, at least they don't know better like president trump should i don't know how they try to justify it but they they they, the media clearly does have a lot more criticism of president trump even just in the relation between the two countries uh they criticize him and they blame him for us having hostilities toward north korea when have we ever had peaceful relations with them i mean is it really all president trump's fault that the two nations don't like each other right now it's interesting. I was thinking about these people that were brought in to stage this skiing situation, and uh, I hope they knew how to ski, <laughs> or else that would be kind of terrible, <laughs> going down this mountain. And They're just know. wiping out yeah. epically in the background. <laughs> don't know how to do it. Yeah, that, that, they should have checked that. Maybe they were falling down. <laughs> but it's interesting uh, just to, to see that happen. Uh, some of the top news anchors have really struggled recently. I mean, even going back to like Dan Rather, you remember he had this false report that came out and then then NBC had problems because Brian Williams got caught telling a bunch of tall tales and now uh, Lester Holt's in this hot water here. So um, it just seems these guys are, are having a hard time. <laughs> but I don't know, maybe maybe it's because you know, they're kind of having this battle where you're supposed to report the facts, but at the same time, there's usually a pretty clear agenda to the stories, and those two things sort of uh, butt up against each other. Well, it seems like the anchors should be the ones most insulated from making a mistake like this, because shouldn't they just be the ones in charge of saying the stories in order, and then they can kick it out to a reporter in the field for a story like this? Uh, then it's not on the anchor uh whenever they make a mistake i don't know why he would have to be out there in the field in person as the anchor yeah probably it's because they want they want an award you know they want the prestige Mm -hmm. of oh i reported from the war zone i reported from north korea i see and i think it's uh sort of an ego driven thing you know where Everyone wants to be the uh, Edward R. Murrow or somebody like that that actually did report from some difficult situations. So there's some interesting things going on there, but <clears throat> I just thought I thought the main thing that was interesting about it is the fact that they kind of uh, apparently were happy to sort of give North Korea every benefit of the doubt, and we don't <laughs> we don't even do that in our own country. So <sighs> show some of the thinking. Uh, story from the Los Angeles Times here. There's been uh, problems in California lately. And uh, a potential problem now. Earthquake faults, fault runs through Rodeo Drive and Beverly Hills Shopping District, California geologists say. So they, they've they looked at this and they found a fault that they didn't uh, think was there before, I guess. New data from the state geologists show <clears throat> that an earthquake fault runs below Rodeo Drive and the Beverly Hills Shopping District, heightening the known seismic risk in an area famous for Cartier, Gucci, Prada, and other luxury brands. Basically what we're wearing. <laughs> 
<laughs> we're high fashion well, in the yeah. studio here. Yeah, it's important in radio <laughs> to uh, to be you know dressed the best. But uh, the California Geological Survey's final map has the Santa Monica Fault Zone cutting through the so-called Golden Triangle, running between Santa Monica and Wilshire Boulevards. So interesting, just because uh, you know you got this fault line here and. and Underneath, uh, I guess the would be one of the the great uh, signs of U.S. wealth or U.S. prosperity. So they they're nervous about it on some level. They say it's capable of producing a magnitude seven earthquake. They don't think one's happened there in uh, you know many years, but still. But what's interesting, they say the threat of destruction on top of faults is such a risk that some agencies have taken steps to vacate or demolish buildings directly on top of them. San Bernardino Valley College demolished seven buildings along the San Jacinto Fault in the 2000s. In 1991, the Los Angeles Los Angeles Southwest College tore down two that sat on top of the Newport Inglewood Fault, and there's been some others. So they take this very seriously to the point where sometimes they'll tear down buildings or they won't build there because of the possibility of, of destruction having a, a high population center right on top of a fault line. Yeah, I guess that that wouldn't be a way to save money, but it would be a way to save lives because uh, that way people aren't going to those buildings and and interacting there every day uh, in case something happens. Those those fault lines though just show you that no one is truly isolated and separated from a potential life-threatening disaster. I mean, you could go to the wealthiest, most prosperous places in the world and no matter where you are, anything could hit you at any time. Yep. So uh interesting there in california and uh they've had uh well there's been earthquakes just along the west coast there in alaska off the coast of alaska this week so anytime there's earthquakes uh they they kind of start paying attention because a lot of times there'll be one and then something will go down the fault line in another area so anyway um if you're shopping out there on rodeo drive you just got to keep that in mind yeah (laughs) i don't know i've never been there so but I know I know of it. It's a famous place. Yeah, I've he- I've definitely heard uh, good things about it, but I probably would have to save up for years to be able to go myself. <laughs> the one shopping trip to Rodeo Drive, you could buy a buy a, a wallet. Seven thousand dollars <laughs> after, after many years of saving. Yeah. <laughs> Can't put anything in it, but I can buy one. Uh, here's an interesting one from Breitbart. Uh, what do you think is on course to be the most popular baby name in Germany? Adolf? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. <laughs> but that would be an interesting guess. Mohammed. Wow. The name Mohammed and its many spelling variations are on course to become one of the most popular names in Germany, going from 97th to 26th most popular in less than a decade, and even higher now. According to uh, the Gesellschaft for Deutsche Sprache, <laughs> Society for German Language. Thank you for all my years of German study in school and college. I don't even know if that was right. Often labeled as the, the most important language society in Germany, the name Mohammed has seen a rapid rise in popularity, though the name could be even more popular than their figures suggest. The reason is there's a lot of different spellings for it. So they're only tracking one spelling, and that's extremely popular. But when you factor in all the other spellings, it could very easily be the most uh, popular name in Germany. And the reason it is is because of all the immigration. Yeah, and that's just uh, we have to ask, is that really a a positive trend in Germany? Um, We've seen tons of stories here in America of the government outright discriminating against Christians, and yet 
Um, you know, they try to they try to say that Christians are bigoted and discriminatory against other people, and therefore need to be stopped. Yet, is it is it true that Muslims are totally accepting of all other groups of people? Are they are they the most inclusionary, diverse group of people in the entire world, or do they seek to take over? And that's uh, that is historically what they've always tried to do. That's what their religion tells them to do: is to try to take over the world. I mean they're doing pretty well if that name is so popular over there yeah they're just they're just out populating these areas yeah um in the city of hern uh or herne around 17.2 percent of the 161,306 inhabitants were migrants in 2017 up from 16.4 percent in 2016 that year muhammad was the third most popular name in the city and they say the development is, of course, related to the wave of immigration. Muhammad is already one of the most popular, if not the most popular, name for baby boys in many places across Europe. In September, Breitbart London reported that Muhammad was, for the fifth year running, the most popular boy's name in London and the West Midlands. So it's been uh, five years in a row there in the UK. And, of course, they've just had, they've opened their borders up to a lot of immigration and now it's starting to rise in Germany too. So it's interesting they are growing <laughs> growing their populations there and coming in and it is a it is a hot topic in a lot of nations whether it be uh Islamic immigration which is in Europe in the US it's a, it's a variety of groups coming in those are still big concerns even even here in the US I read a report saying one of the reasons that um the Democrats kind of backed off on this government shutdown thing is that President Trump's stance on immigration, the fact that he wants to be tougher on it, is the most popular platform that he has. And people, a lot of people agree with him. So you have that that mentality here in the U.S., but you have that same mentality in Germany and you have that same mentality in some other nations in Europe where they don't want people just pouring in through their borders. They don't want to live in Syria <laughs> or Iran. They want to live in Germany. And there's a culture clash, and, and it's it's happening more and more. You see it happening. And Angela Merkel, you know, her uh, power is, is uh, weakened partly be, uh, in a, for a large part because of the immigration. So it, it just highlights the fact that there's uh, major divisions happening in these countries. That's true, and even even with that immigration issue from places like Iran and Syria and other nations in the Middle East that are pretty unstable right now, uh, these people have fled those their areas to come to Germany and to come to Western Europe especially, yet they, mo- the majority of them have proven unwilling to actually change anything about the way they were living that maybe caused why their homelands are being destroyed in the first place. Maybe it is a religion that is at war with the world that is the reason that that their homelands are falling apart yet they 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 completely refuse to assimilate into their new societies uh they're basically bringing a a failed way of life with them uh and expecting everyone to welcome them it's it's just not a sustainable way for nations to try to uh survive and to thrive uh and even 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 more i mean uh there's a fundamental flaw in the leftist way of thinking about immigration that it's somehow solving the world poverty problem when in reality there are billions of people who would die to come to some of the few wealthy nations in the world by taking in several thousand here and several thousand there 
you're not even coming close to solving the problem of poverty of, you know, a lot of nations that are just far below uh, a healthy standard of living. So it's not even, it's not even really a virtuous issue either. Like they try to say. Yeah, that's interesting. Just thinking about the wealth aspect of it, you could say the same thing for education. You know, sometimes they'll say, well, there's a certain segment of a population that's not as well educated as another. So let's take those people and, and put them in to these other schools. And what do you see? Do you see those schools continue to do well and everyone does well? Typically, you see them fall because the other students drag down the, the new school. The reason being is that uh, a major reason why the education isn't good in those communities or those areas is because of the home life's bad. You know, there's a fundamental issue. It's not, well, we just don't have access to good schooling, and so we don't care to learn. Mm-hmm. So, And it's the same with, like, the wealth. Like you said, you can't just take people that have a system that has caused problems, put them in another nation, and think, well, they'll just you know, get on board because they're not getting on board with a better system. They're just keeping their system and taking what they can get and tearing it down in many cases. That's what you see. And so, um, yeah, it's a bad situation there. And, and, uh, uh, and if you look to it, at some of those, uh, Islamic nations where they might have people there that are some, some flavor of Christianity, as they would call it. A lot of times they're very, very much attacked. That's when you see them in the news, they'll attack their churches, attack the people. And so, uh, like we talked about yesterday, that, that nation survey that came out, uh, a lot of people feel like religion is the main cause of conflict in the world and, uh, and they're right (laughs) in a lot of cases, but then they also think Switzerland is the best nation in the world and it has pretty low immigration Mm -hmm. as far as people from very different cultures anyway. So, you know, just looking at those numbers, you'd say, well, maybe maybe those those groups need to stay apart because if they come together, then uh, they destabilize the nation they're in. That's true. And and looking at the Middle East, the vast majority of the people who are under grave threat, uh, mortal danger, they do happen to be Christians. Yet when you look at the different immigration policies of these nations, they, they take in way more Muslims. Why is that? The Muslims aren't the one the ones in the greatest danger right now it's the christians yet they're still importing a different religious system a different culture uh that is a threat to the nations they're coming into uh, it just isn't it isn't a sane way of thinking that that these leaders are using to formulate policies right now and it's going to cost a few of them their jobs probably at some point well i think it probably already has here's a uh a story from newatlas.com this is uh, in relation to climate change. It's a big topic, and they're talking about it at Davos, Switzerland there. And uh, they found another another uh, something to blame for climate change. And who would have thought it, but it's sandwiches. No. Yeah, the humble sandwich. It's a climate change culprit, they say. <laughs> Scientists at the University of Manchester have found a surprising global warming culprit, sandwiches. In the first study of its kind, and hopefully the last, The researchers carried out an in-depth audit of various sandwiches throughout their life cycles. Can you imagine the interrogation? (laughs) You just put the sandwich there. What do you... (laughs) Explain your life cycle to me. (laughs) And found that uh, triangular meals could be responsible for the equivalent annual carbon emissions of 8.6 million cars in Britain alone. And, of course, they're looking at uh, the way they're made and the prepackaged uh, meals and then the refrigeration and so forth and the energy that it takes. So, 
Yeah, I mean, it takes energy, and some of that food's not the best and shouldn't be out there, but... Um has it come to this, man? Is it the sandwiches now? <laughs> well, they've also blamed pet food. Right. I mean, they've also. I mean, before that, they were saying that uh, every nation in the world needs to have like a one-child limit, like China does. They've had they've had limits on the amount of people who can populate the planet because they think that human life is a threat to human life. <laughs> Apparently, right. uh, doesn't doesn't make a whole lot of sense. These different uh, culprits they're coming up with. Yeah, so the the sandwiches. So think about that next time. You're greedily wolfing down that sandwich with the damage you're doing. Like, what do they suggest we do? Just stop eating? Is that really the solution here? Make your sandwiches at home, they say, which is not a bad idea, but uh, <laughs> they say that they actually have uh, some more st- statistics here. <clears throat> the highest carbon footprint was found in pre-made, pre-packaged, all-day breakfast sandwiches. These contain eggs, bacon, and sausage and are kept packaged and refrigerated until sold and eaten. And of course, that that takes energy. By it, con- well, don't you have to refrigerate any kind of food, pretty much? I mean, I I don't know. I just do. Where are we going to get the meat from if it's not in a package already? Are we going to go out and slaughter it ourselves? Yeah. It just it's kind of hard to figure out how you come up with an alternative. Well, and I mean, even though it's, I think it's it's ridiculous for them to get into this. I mean, there is a point that, yeah, a lot of systems aren't right. Food production, yeah. Absolutely. Not because it's a climate change issue, just because it's a it's a health change issue. I wouldn't be so much worried about the climate. I'd be worried about what happens to your body when you eat these sandwiches right. <laughs> on a regular basis. And, of course, some of that is unclean. You shouldn't eat it anyway. Well, isn't part of the issue that uh, farmers are forced to provide uh, so many masses of food for so many people that uh, they have to do it in a way that maybe is a little bit less savory uh, than it should be, and, and they have to rely on factories i mean if we had a lot more farmers and a lot more people producing these things you wouldn't have to do it like on the assembly line in a factory and 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 keep the the wheels churning basically yeah for sure if but but they've been forced out because of uh of uh in the industrialization of food production so you know and even government policies have been uh, a problem with that regarding that where they they tax farmers so much that they're pretty much always indebted to the government and relying on government subsidies. I mean, they they should they should look at their own governments and not try to be blaming the people as much. Yeah, and I saw another write up where they're, they're they want to tax meat, um, and so it, it's kind of funny because yes, there are problems with a lot of the things that that man is doing the way they're doing it, but then these these climate change uh, people come along and they want to tax you on it. Do they want do they want things to change or do they just want money? You know, cuz taxing doesn't do anything. Right. You can you can tax somebody all you want to, but it doesn't change what they're doing. I I know probably the thinking is well if we tax them then they'll change what they're doing, but um yeah, I'd love to see the food not be so industrialized. But who are they going to do that? I mean, a lot of people like to see that. And again, not because of a climate change issue, but just because it's unhealthy for people. That's where all the, most of the diseases come from is what people eat. Yeah, and because we're so far along in the industrialization of the food process and other processes, it's like if we try to change it now and we try to reform it now, it would be devastating to the countries that tried to enact these things, which, again, that gets back to the core of the whole climate change hoax. It is about uh, lowering the productivity of certain have-nations in the world so that have-not-nations have nation, have can actually catch up. Right. And that's the decept. The deception. One of the big deceptions in it is, 
and it's typical of, of deception, is that there are some points in there that are valid, right. but then the, there's a lot that's wrong and the premise is wrong. Um, I don't think anyone would argue that, you know, if we could get away from prepackaged foods, it'd be better for everybody. But, but again, that's not, it, it doesn't justify the whole, their whole argument. So anyway, they're after the sandwiches now. You could pick anything. It'll be socks next or, you know, we shall be barefoot and, which I, I like being barefoot actually, but you know, anything that's made is going to take energy and therefore, you know, they could, they could have their, I, like who, I would just uh, be curious to know who funded the study. You know, how much money did they have to spend on that? And then secondly, um, when they were doing the study, were any sandwiches eaten? Because <laughs> you can't, I mean, you can't eat sandwiches if you're if you're involved in this. Here's another interesting story from uh, PJ Media. It's kind of a funny one, but I think it's, it has a good point to it, or an interesting point. And the point being that you have to be careful of what you believe when you read something online. UK blogger propels fake restaurant to the top-rated spot on TripAdvisor in London. It was a complete hoax. The restaurant doesn't exist. The guy did it as a hoax, and it became the top-rated restaurant on uh, TripAdvisor. So if you were over there in London, and before they found out, I guess, and you went to TripAdvisor, you'd be like, oh, this looks like a great place. It doesn't exist. It was just a joke. But he was able to manipulate the, the system and actually made a whole video, like a documentary about the restaurant. The whole thing was fake. And it just highlights that, you know, you have to be careful with what you read on the Internet, whether it's you know, TripAdvisor or anything else, uh, you know, it may not be accurate information. Well, doesn't TripAdvisor operate on basically user comments? So, like, if you have, if you've been to the place, you offer a review, and that's that kind of determines how highly ranked it is. I mean, I wonder if people just saw it and started commenting on it and were like, "Hey, this kind of looks like the popular thing. I'm going to say how great it is too, that and that I've been there." Oh, I think probably something like that. I mean, the guy, like they, they said, the guy made a whole video about it. So I imagine <laughs> people kind of watched the video and were like, "Yeah, that looks like a great place." Huh. But wow. it didn't really exist. So. Because you know we all go on uh, on vacations from time to time or take a trip, and you know I've I've looked at those whether it's TripAdvisor or you just look at the ratings of a place. We actually stayed at a hotel recently. Uh, we had uh, we were flying back from an area, and we had um, we wanted to be close to the airport, so we moved to a new hotel, and and uh, we didn't know. You know, we looked at the rates, and then you know the the rate was decent, and the um, people's user comments were pretty good. So we thought, okay, and that's the only hotel I've ever left. After about twenty minutes, I said, "I can't, I can't be here." <laughs> really? So I just left and went somewhere else and paid more because it was falling apart. It was in wow. disrepair, and uh, it just was horrible. <laughs> I thought, "Who, who rated this thing?" It was terrible. So sometimes you can't trust those ratings. Yeah, I, that's that's so true. I I don't know why. Um, if maybe some people get some sort of a thrill out of offering a false review, because if if everyone's saying it's great and then it's just definitely not, I mean. I guess something could be said for if, like, you rate a restaurant and it was great when you went there. Sometimes they might have a bad day and not offer the best service, but a hotel is a ho- it's a building. So if the whole thing's falling apart, I don't know why everyone would be rating it like it's awesome. Yeah, I don't know either. It was not good. So we were <laughs> the only time I've ever done that. And then the final straw was that the TV didn't work. <laughs> oh, that's just intolerable. <laughs> there were other things that were kind of like, Shh. I was like, I don't know. I don't really like this place. But once the, when the TV didn't work, I was like, that's it. We Did are you get a refund? Here. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, they, they let us back out of it, thankfully, because wow. it was just not a, not a good place. And uh, so anyway, <laughs> I won't say what the place was, but... <laughs> 
Not going to go there again. But but the upside of it was the, the other place we went to was better, and so we felt so much better about it. You were just extremely thankful then. Extremely thankful, and we actually had a really good time. That's what bad experiences are for. They make us yeah. really appreciate the good times. Yeah. We, well, when you can go into a place and set your bag down and your skin's not crawling, that's a good thing. <laughs> you feel good. The first place, you get the skin crawls. Like this, this just didn't feel right. It's not good. So uh, anyway, be careful when you're checking the online stuff, or uh, whether it be something like a trip or something more serious like news. <laughs> not everything is uh, what it's cracked up to be, as uh, NBC News recently showed there in North Korea. <laughs> How many stars did they give the ski the ski resort, you know? Oh, yeah. Five stars? Probably. No, they must have. No they lines. They were there, and they thought it was awesome, right. and, it, and it just wasn't. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, no lines, because there's nobody there. <laughs> Make sure you stop and check out the thetrumpet.com today. The top story is uh, Turkey launches Operation Olive Branch in Syria by Anthony Chabotaway. I'm glad I can say his name now. I think I can say that, right? Uh, and it, it's I've, I've heard dozens of people say it, and yeah. every single time, no matter how the person pronounced it, he's like, that's pretty close. Yeah. He's never said anyone has ever nailed it. I don't know what it will take. Yeah. There's something about different languages where we just we have a hard time pronouncing or forming the sounds. <laughs> so that's what they always told us. And I remember uh, when I took a, some foreign language in college, they said, if you really want to learn the language, you've got to live in the country for a while you, to pick up just the colloquialisms or to pick up the um, uh, the accent and to just, just understand how people communicate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this uh, write-up is about Turkey's latest offensive in Syria could further shift regional alliances. There's a lot going on there in that area. that has been for years. So check out that top story today. Also, the Trumpet Daily Radio Show with your host, Stephen Flurry. He talked about a, a few things, including global trade war is coming. Uh, the U.S. and the U.K. are going to be frozen out of that. And uh, there's biblical prophecies that say that. Now you look at things now and you say, man, the economy's booming. It's doing pretty good uh, for a time, and it is. But uh, there's a lot of anti-U.S. sentiment out there. And uh, even President Trump went to Davos, and they didn't, didn't uh, greet him too warmly, I guess. Other nations are uh, starting to think about uh, a life without the U.S. and the U.K., that's the sad reality at this point, because the the whole world is so interconnected. As powerful as the U.S. is, we still have a crippling amount of debt. We still have so many uh, crucial trade relations with nations around the world that if enough of them at one time decided to cut us off, we would we would pretty much fall into poverty al- almost overnight. It's tough because I think. President Trump has some good points on the fact that the U.S. has been sort of taken advantage of by some other nations, and he wants to fight back on that. But we don't have a the, the what the result of that is. Then you have conflict, and uh, you know maybe maybe you uh, win or maybe you lose. <laughs> but conflict's coming, and a lot of times trade wars turn into real wars because you know ultimately somebody's got to be in charge, and. Uh, so it's it's very interesting to see uh, what's happening there. So make sure you listen for this Trump at Daily Radio show. Uh, global trade war is uh, coming. Uh, you're listening to Trump Radio Live here on 101.3 KPCG. And you can follow us online uh, on if you'd like to at KPCG FM on Twitter. And uh, if you'd like to send comments, you can send those to comments at KPCG.FM. We appreciate those coming in. I'm Dwight Falk, and Grant Turgeon is here today as well. Uh, we, well, we had that story earlier about Mohammed being the most popular name in Germany, and how come Dwight's not rising? <laughs> Nobody, that's never a popular name. I've always thought that's one of the cooler names in existence. I know a couple of Dwight's, and they're 
both pretty interesting. I was uh, I was named after Eisenhower. He's the probably the most famous yeah. Dwight. That's so, a really good one. It's one of those names where, uh, I don't know, when you hear it, I don't think anyone's ever stunned by it, but yet it's not one that you hear a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just not around there much. Grant's a pretty popular name. It's, there's a lot of Grants out there. I've heard of some Grants out there. There's there's one on the campus right now. Um, for a while, though, I I was usually the only Grant in my environment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, too, uh, with, with uh, pronunciations. You know, you can't really get Grant wrong. I mean, it kind of is what it is. Yeah. But a lot of people say Grant, but that's just their accent. Their accent. And I have no problem with that. Sure. It sounds kind of good, actually. It does. Uh, I've heard... Dwight pronounced several ways, which is kind of funny. I've heard know. people say like "duh white," yeah, "duh which white" is, or which "d is, white," <laughs> like you have an apostrophe in right. there, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, "d white" and "duh white." Yeah, those are the two that yeah. probably. And it's like, no, it's, I think it's just Dwight. Dwight. I think it's just <laughs> that's what it is. You can't say your name too many times in a row; it just sounds like nothing. It loses meaning. <laughs> yeah, you're like what? Is, what is this? It's weird how the brain does that. You just totally lose comprehension of what you're trying to say. Yeah, it's just this odd sound. Um, we want to talk about uh, friendship on uh, the rest of today's program. Forbes has an uh, interesting write-up. Uh, friendship in the digital age. Of course, you can have a lot of Facebook friends, but I don't, are, they really, are they really your friends? <laughs> they say the scope of human social networks is often thought to be near limitless, especially in the modern era. In fact, it is surprisingly small and has remained so despite the opportunities offered by the Internet. This has implications, they say, for best practice and organizational structure. So they're looking at it from, like a, I guess, a business standpoint. They say, for most of history, humanity has lived in very small-scale closed communities. Historical sources such as uh, Domesday Book Census of England in 1086, as well as the census data on contemporary small-scale societies, indicate a typical community size of around 150 individuals. This also turns out to be the typical size of personal social networks, roughly the number of people with whom one has a personal reciprocated relationship. About 150, and that's where, what it's been over the years, and that's about what it is now. So, so that's just um, the number of people. Are you talking about on Facebook alone or no, just, in, just in general? That, okay. that you would have, like they say, a, a reciprocated relationship. Okay. You know them, they know you, and, and you have at least some sort of a rapport. Yeah, well, that's that's actually uh, a quite a high number for just an average because um, there are there are some people who you would think only might see like fifteen people at work and then go home to a couple people at home and that's about it. But uh, if you if you do include all the people you've gone to school with over the years or anyone you've ever played in like a sports league with or been in a part of a club with or if you're in a church or anything like that, the numbers pile up really really quickly. Yep, and then even just places you go mm-hmm. you know sometimes people go to they frequent a cafe or they frequent an area and you know the employee they know you and things like that so yeah it adds up 150 now that's not saying you got 150 best buddies that's probably not the case but um you at least know each other on some level so there's one person i know where every time i go somewhere with him he's he's telling he's saying hello to like the cashier the lead cook everyone there he's he's saying hi to them by name like he knows everybody at all the places he goes to which is uh rather impressive to me yeah that is interesting some people really do that and yeah. um i i go the other way i try to keep it business i have no idea who any of those people are <laughs> just make the sandwich and destroy the climate 
<laughs> they say this. So this is a Reddit from uh, PCOG.org on how to deepen your friendships because it is it is important to have friendships. True friends are pretty rare, it says, and tr- our true treasures in our lives. How here's how to magnify what you have to offer to your friends. So it's looking at it from the standpoint of what we could offer personally to others, which is a good way to look at it because oftentimes in relationships, it's easy to take the other perspective and think, well, what's in it for me? And if that's our perspective, uh, we probably won't have quite as many friends. That's actually true. The way that that was phrased made me think that pretty much every time you hear anyone talk about friendships, whether it's an article or some sort of uh, like a video special, it's always about like, here's the right friends you should choose. These are the friends that will be best for you. And it doesn't ever talk about like, well, what if we're not any in any way beneficial to those around us? I mean, what if we're just terrible friends and yet we have this extremely high standard for all of our friends yeah that's right i mean they always say you know do unto others right mm-hmm. but it's true i mean if if we think about what we would like our friends or how we would like our friends to be towards us well we've got to be the same the same way or else why would they want to be <laughs> fr- you know you don't I, I guess there might be some some uh, cases where it'd be a little different but usually that's because you know, a person's trying to get something. Mm. Uh, yeah, because there are people that do have prestige in society or money or something, and, and they have to be really careful because all of a sudden you got a lot of friends, quote-unquote, but they're not true friends. They're usually they're trying to get something. Yeah, that's true. There are a lot of hangers-on, like especially the more people get uh, famous. And sadly, that's even affected a lot of like athletes or other famous people in terms of getting married. A lot of them are really cautious about getting married they might have like a girlfriend for 20 years but are worried that as soon as they get married if there's ever divorce they lose half of everything they own so uh that just shows you have to really know the people around you and make sure that you trust them and they trust you and that those relationships are built on a solid foundation otherwise there's just no end to the (laughs) the the bad things that could happen with that yeah there's there's a a lot to a true friendship and uh this article says how how do you uh feel around your friends do you feel comfortable and accepted or do you feel like they like the real you do you feel like they like the real you or do you feel like you're not good enough or you have to put on some kind of act uh how do you deal with differences of opinion do your friends listen to you and treat your thoughts and opinions with respect are you able to share your heart with them your innermost thoughts and feelings Are you able to rely on them for help when you need it? Do your friends respect the things you tell them in confidence? Can you trust them to keep things confidential that you don't want spread around? Are you honest with with each other? If you point out a problem to your friend, uh, would they accept it? Do your friends help you be a better person? Do you feel like they're behind you when you try to improve your life? And then it says this. Now think about this. How would people you consider your closest friends answer those questions about you? And that's the uh, question that the it, it's getting to, because we all we all want those things in a friendship. But if we asked somebody that knew us, how do you feel about so and so? You know, would they would they say the same? Um, occasionally in life, you do hear something like that, and sometimes it's good, but sometimes it's not so good. And you think, <laughs> oh wow, I I didn't realize that you know people felt that way. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that those are a lot of hard questions to make sure that you're able to answer the right way, and yet. We almost instinctively expect all of those standards to be met when it comes to our friends. So that that's a good way to look at it that, well, sure, we can we can want great friends, but they should they should be able to mutually benefit from the relationship too. Otherwise, you know, if if we're just on a way lower level 
why wouldn't they just move on from us after a while? If we were dragging people down, not setting a right example around them, you know, you know, maybe even compelling them to to behave in ways that they that they think are uh, less than appropriate. There are plenty of reasons why friends should just move on from us if we're not meeting those standards too. Yeah, we have to be show ourselves friendly if we want to have friends, and that's that's a biblical principle. That that point about making sure you keep things confidential or make sure that you can trust people when you tell them things that's that's the one that i've always heard of over the years that uh is is the biggest breakdown it is you know it is hard when uh you hear some piece of juicy information you just want to be the person with the scoop but you can sacrifice a friendship pretty quickly by just uh wanting to be the first one to tell others the latest news yeah and that's hard to repair yeah and once that that trust is uh, broken so there's some points here to help deepen friendships. And again, it's looking at it from the angle of, well, what could we do personally to be a better friend to others? Uh, the first point is acceptance. It says all your friends are sinners and so are you. Oh, come on. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> really? <laughs> the question is how good, are, how good are you at loving people despite their faults? And of course, as is pointed out here, we're not, it's not saying you should compromise with God's law or just tolerate lawlessness, but we all have our faults. We all have our mis- make our mistakes. And, and if, if we're, um, you know, ready to pounce as soon as somebody does, does something, then, uh, well, what would we expect? Cause we all make mistakes. Somebody would pounce on us too. So we have to be able to accept. And again, it's not, we're not talking about accepting, you know, just lifestyles that are clearly going the wrong direction, but you know, in, in somebody's journey to try to uh, live the right way, there are stumbles and we have to be accepting of each other in that way. That's true. And that made me think of times where I've gotten upset at a friend because I feel like maybe he let me down. But then when I think about it rationally later, either that person didn't even do anything wrong or I think of another situation where I did the exact same thing to somebody else and that person didn't light me up just because just because I might have let them down. So there, there it does show you that uh, sometimes we do have like unrealistic expectations from friends when, you know, we, we don't even hold that standard ourselves. Here's a really interesting question that says, take a moment, ask yourself this. Do I think deep down that I am a better, uh, than this person is? It says, because if the answer is yes, whether you realize it or not, it will show in your actions. Huh. And that's a, that's a toughie because every, I mean, we all struggle with vanity and, um, it is uh that that's a really tough question you know it takes a lot of reflection to think on that do i really do i think i'm better than this person and uh that's a pretty deep question to think about and the point is brought out here about just uh the fact that uh god called abraham his friend james 223 and and god spoke to moses face to face as a man speaks unto his friend is god better than those men were of course i mean he actually was and is <laughs> but but he was their friend and because and, and they were his friend because they they uh, followed him and obeyed him. So, you know, if God was willing to to consider these men friends, you know, uh, we're not gods yet. So <laughs> we should consider each other friends. That's the perfect example to look to, because uh, he didn't hold these these friends of his these sinful human friends of his in contempt he didn't scoff at their ideas he didn't call them names or ridicule them or try to you know embarrass them in public just because you're buddies and you think it's going to be a hilarious joke i mean there are a lot of things that you do to people when maybe there's a little bit too much familiarity there or 
maybe deep down we just don't have enough respect for other people and we think that we can get away with certain things that we would never try on somebody else yeah i think i think mutual respect is really important you know if you feel like somebody doesn't respect you it's hard to to uh respect them you know so uh really good point there on uh, acceptance and uh, it also says that being a true friend means not being negative and critical of the other person unless criticism is handled very carefully it never gets good results it just creates bad feelings and sore spots you know and like it's pointed out god and christ would be perfectly justified in criticizing us every minute of the day <laughs> but uh, they choose the moments to give correction that'll get results but yeah if you think of it that way you know that would be tough. It would be very tough to live in a situation. I think when uh, you're a parent and you have children, you know, you think about this because they do stuff and you're like, well, you shouldn't do that. But if it gets to be too critical, it, it, it doesn't do a lot of good. And, and nobody wants to be under a situation where every move is criticized. You just, you would just want to quit. And so the same is true with friendships. That's true. And and there are people who uh, seem to take, correction or criticism really well more than others but even they will get weighed down by it and they might not ever say anything about it but they're just they feel more and more burdened by it they feel like every time they're trying their best to meet the expectation and and whenever they fall short it's like they're never good enough uh and even those people even the people who are like the most humble and correctable among us they will wear down from that type of constant criticism. So we can't just think, well, oh, this guy's never said anything to be, me about it. So my my joking insult probably never affects him or my criticism of him in this area probably doesn't bother him at all. Just just because people don't say anything doesn't mean it doesn't have an impact because it absolutely does. Yeah. So acceptance is an important part of friendship. Uh, we, you know, everybody makes mistakes. The second point brought out is uh, the need for encouragement. Uh, true friends do not feel threatened by each other's achievements. They are not in competition with one another trying to be the one on top. They genuinely desire each other's success, and they want for each to reach his or her full potential. Um, so, again, with a lot of these, I mean, really, if you look at sort of the, the root cause of problems or division, it's just vanity. You know, it's hard to encourage somebody if you feel like they're they're getting the better of you or not even getting the better of you, but maybe they're doing better than you or something like that because everybody wants to be on top uh, naturally. And we have to fight against that. But so giving, giving good and sincere encouragement is very important for our friendships. Yeah, that has definitely uh, not doing so has definitely exposed uh, quite a few friendships for not being as stable as we may have thought, where as soon as one of our friends might get a promotion if, if the first thing we're thinking is, well, why wasn't it me? Why didn't I get this opportunity instead? Instead of, you know, just gaining vicarious enjoyment from our own friends uh, succeeding. Uh, if that's, if that's, if we react the wrong way to something like that, it is immediately an indicator that something in that relationship needs to improve. Maybe uh, there is too much competition going on, maybe too much one-upmanship. Uh, it's easy to get into that if you're both around the same age, you're in the same environment you're you're in the same classes or the same work uh, situation it can be easy to start competing with other people instead of edifying others and trying to help others actually uh, succeed even more yeah it points out a tremendous biblical example of friendship is that of jonathan and david and jonathan as you know was the son of king saul he was 20 years older than david he'd been married raised children had considerable accomplishments in his life and then here comes david and God's going to use him as the king, next king of Israel. 
and uh, you know Jonathan was passed over, but uh, he didn't feel threatened by that. First Samuel eighteen one says the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. I mean, he he really did care about him, and he was his friend, even though you know David received what what Jonathan thought maybe he would receive. Um, that's very tough. But then you look at at, at Jonathan's father Saul, and he tried to kill David because he he did not want him coming along. So there's two different attitudes there, and, and the article asks the question, well, when you see a close friend succeed, are we like Jonathan or are we like Saul? Uh, that's a really deep question to ask, and and I would think a lot of uh, a lot of the responsibility would fall on the person even who is uh, gaining a promotion or who is receiving a, a particular blessing, not to go <laughs> rubbing it in, obviously, but, but even not to just like, uh, constantly talk about it and and remind the other person that they didn't get something because even even there, uh, bad attitudes can creep in. As as sad as that is, that does happen sometimes. You don't you don't ever want to come anywhere close to like making people question why they didn't get what 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 you got. That's it is it it does take a certain amount of tact and and wisdom there too. Yeah, two way street. And yeah. I'm sure you know. Obviously, David was very close to. Jonathan as well. It wasn't, you know, he wasn't rubbing it in. Like yeah, like what said. if David came back and was like, you know, Jonathan, I'm going to be the king. What do you think about that? If he had gone back to him and done that, yeah. I mean, that could have destroyed their friendship right there because it's not a thing. It's not something to rub in. It was God's will. And, and you don't just want to uh, take it down to a physical level and make it a, a carnal competition. Yeah. So the competition of vanity is such a, those are those are so prevalent. So and they're hard to battle against. So that uh, second point there for encourage or for uh, improving friendships is encouragement, trying to encourage your friends. And uh, there's there's some other really great points. Actually, I think we'll probably continue talking about it tomorrow because it's worth going through all of them. But uh, if you get a chance and you want to stop and read this, uh, how to deepen your friendships is at pcog.org. But uh, we are we are short on time, <laughs> so you can you can be you can put those two points into practice, and then we'll see how we did tomorrow. <laughs> see see if we made any improvements there those are i mean those are you know it's like anything you, you can read them or hear about them and think yeah those are good points the hard part is to try to put them into practice yeah they're definitely worth thinking a lot about and it does seem like a common thread here is just to avoid negativity in any way i mean studies have even shown that a compliment it takes nine compliments to offset the bad feelings from one insult wow. so so even there it just shows you whether it's words or gestures or even facial expressions like whatever we're doing uh the more positive it is the better because the one time you might slip up and do something negative towards somebody it's hard to it's it's hard to really cancel that out yeah well that's a really interesting number that's all the time we have for today on trumpet radio live make sure you listen for the uh kia david program the trumpet daily radio show that's uh coming up here shortly on KPCG. For Grant Turgeon and myself, Dwight Falk, have a great rest of your Thursday, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow. You're listening to Trumpet Radio, 101.3 KPCG.